thanksgiving on our hearts, Lord, with gratitude on our lips, Lord, with worship overflowing. And Lord, we pray that you would have your way, Lord, that we would make much of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and that you would accomplish all that you have in mind. Holy Spirit, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, good morning, church. For those of you who are here in person, as well as those who are uh, connecting with us online, um, we are uh, grateful that you can be here. And uh, I'm grateful for everyone who is here. Um, They're kind of just doing a quick stand-up, greet, hello kind of thing. And as they do that, um, I want to welcome everyone who's connecting uh, with our live streaming. Um, love that we have the technology to do that. And I wasn't quite sure what, what, we were, what was going to happen this morning when we came in. Were we going to have uh, anyone here at all? But we have a, a really, really good-sized crew here. Uh, I'm impressed. Uh, but I also want to say that this is not an indication of whether you are like serious about the Lord, all right? Okay, so it's not determined by whether you're willing to risk your life uh, to get to church on a Sunday morning. If you are home, we are grateful for the technological uh, innovations that make live streaming necessary, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week. I don't know why it is that it always seems to be Sunday mornings. Sunday mornings is always when the snow comes, and it's never Hardly ever, it seems like, you know, like a, okay, it's a clear-cut, black-and-white kind of thing. There's no way we're getting a foot of snow at 8 in the morning. There's no way we can have church. It always seems to be like this wrestling match. If it could go this way, it could go that way. And so um, we're here, and uh, we're able to do this. We're grateful for it. And I know many of you wish this was coming tomorrow morning because then you wouldn't have school, right? Yeah, I think school's going to happen tomorrow. Sorry to disappoint you. Uh, but you've got a snow day today, uh, kids, and I hope you make the best of it. Get out there and do some sleigh riding. And when I was, uh, I was doing the, uh, you know, some snow blowing this morning, and some good snow. You can make a decent snowman with this snow out there. It's, it's, that, it's that type. Um, so uh, I'll probably won't be in the snow this afternoon, but if you are, then have fun. <laughs> All right, um, let's just pray, and then uh, we're going to open up God's Word together. So, Lord, thank you for uh, a beautiful morning, Lord, to look out and see the landscape, uh, Lord, just covered in white. Lord, what, what an amazing artist you are, Lord, and every morning we wake up and see evidence of your work. Lord, you are the creator, you are the sustainer, you are our redeemer, and uh, Lord, we magnify your name. Uh, Lord, we pray as we open up your word now, would you open up our hearts? Uh, Lord, would you teach us? Would you show us? Lord, would you transform us from the inside out so that our lives might reflect more of the likeness of uh, our Lord Jesus Christ? It's in his name we pray. Amen. Um, You know, as you make your way through the Gospels, you can't help but take note of how many times people would just continually come to Jesus Uh, with all kinds of requests, asking him for all kinds of things. People would come to him asking for physical healing, uh, for spiritual deliverance, for for guidance, for counseling, uh, for for his take on different political controversies or or the theological questions of his day. Uh, People were flowing to Jesus all the time. But there's one disciple, an anonymous disciple, we never get his name, 
But he came to Jesus with this very unique request. He asked Jesus to help him with prayer. Teach me to pray. In Luke 11, chapter 11, verse 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. I love that request. Lord, teach us to pray. It just seems so heartfelt and sincere, and I wonder if that request resonates with any of us this morning. Uh, My sense is, most of us probably don't need to be convinced that prayer is important. I, I think we know prayer is important, but, but when it comes to actually how do we do this? How do we go about praying? That's where the struggle sets in for many of us. How, how do we actually go about praying? What do we do? What does it look like? And um, that was the request of this disciple. And, you know, prayer is the word that we use to describe conversation between people and God, between creator and creation. And, you know, back in the beginning, originally it was effortless and ordinary. God created us to live out our lives connected to him in a loving and meaningful relationship. But after our first parents fell, um, everything changed, right? That connection got severed and, and sin had this alienating effect, and, and from that point forward, the relationship between creator and creation became complicated and confused. And that's actually the reason why Jesus came. The sinless Son of God left his home in heaven. He came on a mission to this earth, this broken people, this broken place filled with broken people to, to fix that broken relationship with God. He did it by living the perfect life that you or I and no one else has ever lived. And, and then by going to the cross where he died in our place to pay the price for our sins so we could be reconciled. So what had, what had gone wrong could be made right again by his work and by trusting in what he did on the cross. And Jesus, in his life and ministry, demonstrate that prayer was right at the center of everything he did. Uh, it's highlighted time and time again. Luke highlights how many times Jesus would withdraw, it says, to these lonely places. He would get alone and get with his heavenly Father and pray. And uh, there's so many milestone moments that happen on the heels of his time in prayer, like, um, like the sleepless night of prayer he had, after which he, he chose and called his 12 disciples, those who would take his gospel message uh, out. Uh, and it was during this time of prayer uh, that Jesus turns to his disciples and, and he asks them, who do you say I am? And this is the moment when, when Peter made the good confession and he says, you are the Christ, the Son of God. That's when his identity was exposed. And, and it was uh, when he was praying on a mountain with three of his disciples, with uh, Peter, James, and John, and God stripped back the veil of his humanity, and they, they were given this glimpse of Jesus in all his unfiltered, unbridled glory. Um, so that, that all happened on the heels of prayer. So it's no wonder this disciple, who, again, we don't know his name, but he wants Jesus to teach him, help me to pray. I want to pray like that. I've seen the power of your prayers. 
firsthand, and, and I want that. Jesus, would you teach me? Would you show me? Because I'm ready to learn, and maybe that's, that's where you're at this morning, and you, you, you know you're not where you need to be when it comes to prayer, but you want to grow. You want to move forward, and, and what you need is someone to show you. Uh, the good news is how Jesus responds. He responds to that request with this resounding yes. He says, I'm ready, willing, and able to help my followers, his disciples, then and now to learn how to pray, to grow in that. And, and the teaching that he follows it up with is it's actually one of the most familiar passages uh, in the entire Bible. It's, it's what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's actually the disciples' prayer, but it's the Lord's Prayer is the title that we, we, we know. But uh, maybe you're familiar with it. If you've kind of grown up even tertiary around church circles, you've, you probably do know it. Um, maybe you can recite it from memory. I, I, I know I'd, I learned it as a kid. Um, I learned the King James Version of it with all the these and thous. And uh, I could recite it by heart right here. But I wonder if I've actually become a little over-familiar uh, with the Lord's Prayer because the truth is I could recite the Lord's Prayer from memory in a way that actually bypasses my brain completely. It's just automatic. I can just do it without ever engaging uh, what it actually is about. And so uh, I want to I wanna recite it, not from the uh, King James Version, but the English Standard Version, and, and read it from Matthew chapter 6. And I want to just invite you to listen Uh, like you were hearing it for the first time with fresh ears. It says this. Jesus said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That basically sums up this prayer. Um, Jesus starts out by saying, pray like this. And he doesn't say pray this. He says pray like this. And what that means is that this Lord's Prayer, it's a model prayer. And a model is different than a mantra, right? Um, A model isn't meant to just be mouthed mindlessly. The Lord's Prayer is not some kind of incantation. It's not like a magic spell that if you say it, then certain things will happen. That's not what this is about. This is a model prayer. It it lays out what some of the basic ingredients um, that prayer should include. And so there's a pattern to it. It shows us how to pray. It shows us what to prioritize in prayer. And so I I would offer that you consider it as a, as a format and not a formula. And, and, and also, that doesn't mean that you have to follow the format specifically and include every element of every prayer with what's here in this Lord's Prayer, or else it's not going to work. Don't, don't get that idea either. It's more of like, you know, these are, these are the nutrients you need for spiritual um, nourishment, right? Just like you have a, a physical diet and you need vegetables, 
But you don't need vegetables every single meal, but you do want to have your vegetables. Eat your vegetables, kids. It's important. Um, sorry, they're here in the service with us, and so we've got to try to find a way to engage them. Um, so these are just the main ingredients to guide our times of prayer as a whole. And so, uh, and so we're going to unpack some of these main ingredients in the Lord's Prayer over the next few weeks. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing so in conjunction with uh, this time that we spend in January of taking 21 days um, to fast, which is to kind of remove things from our lives that are kind of having a hold on us, whether that be food um, or computers or TV shows or whatever it could be. Um, I think last year I mentioned that for me, one of the things is uh, my, my fixation with yacht rock, um, which is like late 70s, early 80s soft rock, which I am, I have, I have too high of a, uh, you know, kind of a fixation on that. Ask my, anyone in my family that this is what's on the house anytime they come home. So I'm, I'm eliminating that for three weeks and I'll, I will put on K-Love or something like that. Um, but uh, getting some of these things out of the way, but not just for the sake of getting it out of the way, right? Not just eliminating things from your diet for the sake of, oh, I could lose a few pounds. That's not what it's about. There's a spiritual component to it so we can further engage in the things of God, press in uh, to prayer. And so fasting and prayer go together. And whether you're taking part in it, by the way, if you want to, there is a, uh, there is a form here. I just grabbed one of these so you can see it. Um, you, can, you can learn more about it. These are at our welcome table. Um, you, if you want to fill out what it is that you're praying for as you're, as you're fasting or how we can be praying for you, um, that would be great. But, um, but the purpose of, of letting go of some things and pressing into other things, it's, it's to learn, to grow, and specifically grow in this, this mystical ancient practice, this, this thing called prayer that people of faith have been pressing into uh, for centuries. So we're going to jump in this morning and we're look at just the opening line, starting with this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The, the prayer starts out by setting our focus on God. There's this intentional attentiveness given to who it is that prayer is prayed to. Who are we talking to? And so the opening, it includes this, an identity, an address, and an orientation. It's kind of a little bit like maybe an envelope you would grab out of the mailbox and what you would find at the front. Who is it from? It's, it's God, um, our Heavenly Father. That's who God is. Where is he? He's in heaven. And that has less to do with a physical place far, far away. It's not about a physical destination. It's more of a spiritual dimension. There is a reality that is real for every single person of God. And there's a time to fix on that and and, and focus on that. Um, And then what kind of posture do we carry into our times of prayer and for that, it says, hallow his name. Um, there's this intentional attentiveness to who it is that we're engaging in prayer. And there's an order to the Lord's Prayer that's being mapped out here. 
And what it's saying is that aligning with who we're talking with comes before asking. Okay, and so, so that's not to say that there's anything wrong with asking, with prayer requests, right? Prayer requests, you're always encouraged. Philippians, it says, in everything, by prayers and supplications, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Tell God what it is you're asking him for. What's on your heart? That's, that means bring it all before the Lord. But here's the thing. Don't think that prayer is nothing more than bringing a list of requests to some God who's out there, right? It's, it's more than just asking. The purpose of prayer, it's, it's not less than that. It's not less than bringing our requests, but it sure is more than that. And first and foremost, it's about engaging with God, with God himself, And with that in mind, the number one priority is realigning our focus around the reality of who he is. So Jesus says, this is where it starts. This is is what paves the way for everything else that follows. An accurate orientation about who it is you're speaking to. Love what Tozer writes about this. Here's what he says. He says that what comes to mind when we think about God, he says this is the most important thing about us. He says the history of mankind will probably show that no people has ever risen above its religion and no man's spiritual history will positively demonstrate that no religion has ever been greater than its idea of God. Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains either a high or a low view of God. For this reason, the greatest question before the church is always God himself. And the most portentous fact about any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he or she in her deepest heart conceives God to be like. We tend by a secret law of the soul to move towards our mental image of God. What he's saying is that who comes to mind When we talk about God, that matters. Is your God big? Is he small? Is he someone who has to be, have his arm twisted to listen to you? Or does he care? And and so the mental image that Jesus intends would come to mind from his followers when we pray, bound up in this word, Father. Make Father your frame of reference as you enter into prayer. That is who you're praying to, our Father. Prayer, it's it's not about talking to some kind of nebulous, impersonal life force. It's not the universe. It's engaging with a heavenly Father who made the universe. And just think about all the other options that Jesus would have had to choose from to give us as a frame of reference. Right? He could have told us, when you pray, address God as your heavenly king. He is sovereign. He's in charge. What he says goes. Or he could have said, address him as creator. Because everything you see around you, it comes from him. He's the life source of everything. Or he could have said, our, our sustainer, to express our dependence upon him. Or even master, 
to express that he is the legitimate authority over every one of our lives. He could have said any of those things, but the mental framework that he wants imprinted on our hearts and minds when we bow our heads and close our eyes is that of a child approaching a father. Father. It expresses tender love and compassion along with strength and security. It's bound up together. And and he puts it, this, this connection with God in the context of a family relationship to give us this crystal clear picture of who it is that we're talking to. A father who would be concerned for the well-being of his children. A father who, who doesn't care for his children because of what they do for him or because they, they impress him. He cares for his children because they're his. Right? If you're a parent, you probably get that. Right? You care about your children because they're yours in a way that almost hard to describe, that even before your child has done a single thing for you, other than, of course, make your life a whole lot more complicated and sleep-deprived, any good father would do anything. They would die on the spot for their child, no questions asked, right? I, I know, having said that, that not everyone has had that kind of experience, with a good father on a, on a human level. And that, that can be a challenge. That can create some challenges. But, but regardless, there is a universal longing. There is something that is imprinted on our hearts about this relationship between child and father that is meant to be fulfilled, not by a human father, but, but by our heavenly father. This is This is part of our DNA. And so Jesus uses this precious relationship as a framework to start this this conversation with God that we call prayer. You're talking to your Father in heaven. He's not indifferent. He's not unwilling. And he's not unable. He has a level of compassion and concern that eclipses anything What even the greatest human father on earth has ever done for his child doesn't come close to how God views you. So there's a sense of approachability. There's a sense of expectation that goes along with that. If God is father, that means the door's open. Come on in. Your father's here and he cares. And that sets the stage for for the next step, the the next line of this Lord's Prayer, this declaration, hallowed be your name. The first concern in prayer, hallowing our Father's name. Now, hallow is not a term that we're all that familiar with. I'm thinking about it, and I can't remember the last time I used the word hallow in a sentence. I don't know if I ever have used the word hallow in a sentence, but... um, It is something that every person on this planet does on an ongoing basis. Hallow is a word that connects with worship. The the literal translation is is to sanctify, to, to make holy, to set apart. The way we might say it today would be that we make much of something or someone or to honor, to applaud, to extol 
the excellencies of, to prop up, right? And, and so this afternoon, come about 1 o'clock, right, probably right now, um, stadiums are filling up, packed with fans who are gathering to extol the excellencies of their favorite NFL team. Except, of course, if you live in the New York metropolitan area, because there's very little to make much of unless you go all the way up to Buffalo. But that's a whole other story. There will be no shortage of hallowing going on this afternoon over a group of guys running around in spandex tights trying to move a ball down a field. There's some hallowing going on there. Concert halls fill up every night with audiences who respond to, to musical performers and the excellencies of, their, of, of, of how they sing and play their instruments with, with shouts of applause. That's hallowing. And when it comes to prayer, by virtue of the identity of who this Father in heaven is, hallowing is the appropriate number one response. It's simply an indication that we are seeing God for who he is. Because this Father of ours in heaven is the living, eternal, almighty God. The God that we pray to is an awesome God. He is the one who created the universe, who set the stars in place, who designed the plants and the animals and the human body. He's God Almighty. That means he is completely able to do anything and everything he has in mind to do. And that's unlike you and unlike me and unlike every football player and musician and politician and whoever it is with whatever title you put on them. We get to the point where we say, I'm tired. Can you give me a little help? Those are words God never has to say. He's all-knowing, omniscient. Unlike you, unlike me, unlike every other person on this planet, he doesn't forget. He never has to be informed. Hey, God, did you know about this? He never says, no, I wasn't aware of that. The wonders of our Father's ways are astonishing. The greatest accomplishments accomplishments in humanity just fade into the background when we start to consider God, this God that we have the privilege of calling our Father. And so here's the thing. If your prayers are still at this place where you're like, Lord, if you could, would you? You're not there yet. You haven't hallowed your father's name. You, don't, you haven't seen God for who he is. The question is not can you ever with God. Our God is almighty. There's nothing he can't do. We need a clearer vision of who he is. And that happens in hallowing. And so prayer is the time to do that. It's, it's encountering God for who he is. The one that Revelation describes as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And at his home in heaven, the hallowing never ends. 
the heavenly scene that Revelation chapter 5 describes as one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible. It shows that those who are in closest proximity to our Father, right, the heavenly hosts, the heavenly beings, they cannot help but respond to the greatness, the glory, the awesomeness of God. And so the halls of heaven are endlessly echoing in the sounds of worship. Day and night, it says, they never cease to declare, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He's in a class all his own. There is no one who compares to him. And so as we draw near in prayer to our heavenly father who is holy, awesome other, our response is, it's going to be like that. Take time. Praise him in prayer. Sometimes that's just opening up a psalm, reading through it. There's great words of worship in it. Sometimes it's putting on some worship music to let that set the stage. And don't forget this, is that God doesn't need your praise. He is not some kind of insecure deity who needs people to recognize him. We need to praise him because our challenge and the challenge of humanity is that we just have this way of hallowing the wrong things. And that doesn't mean you can't appreciate things and put them in context, but we have a way of taking secondary things and making them into the primary things. We do it like it's a national pastime today, like elevating good things into God things things that cannot satisfy, that cannot do what we put them in place and and expect them to do. If only I had this job, if only I marry that person, if only I get that raise or this position or that promotion, these, um, these shows that are on TV where people are competing for some kind of special spot to showcase their talents and you hear the interviews with them, This means everything to me. Or the shirt that you see at the ball games in Little League, baseball is everything. What a horrible thing because the moment that's taken from you, and believe me, it will be, what are you left with? Nothing. The day will come when you're too old, you're injured, or the spotlight goes to someone else. The issue, as the Bible describes it, is, is idolatry. It's hallowing creation instead of the creator and settling for so much less and setting up our lives for failure and disappointment. And so prayer is the place to to realign, to set our sights on the right object of worship, almighty God. So take time to hallow his name. Make much of the one to whom all glory is due. You know, we live in a world that instead of hallowing God's name, it just continually hollows out the name of the Lord, right? How, how often do we hear our Lord's name just used as, as filler in conversation? Oh, my God. Uh, you know, oh, my Lord. It's just cheapening it. Or a swear word, right? This, this exposes a people who have lost the plot. 
right? And sometimes that's what happens. We lose the plot. We lose sight of who he is, and things just get out of line. And so prayer is the place to get back to reset, to reorient around our Heavenly Father, who is always greater, more, above and beyond anything, anyone, and what any of our feeble words could ever articulate. This is your God. This is the one that we have the privilege of praying to. Our God is a big God. Our God is bigger than anything else, anyone else, any challenge that you have going on in your life. And the beautiful thing about that is that as you encounter him, a lot of the fears, a lot of the anxieties, a lot of the stress, that subsides as we encounter God for who he is. Let me look at one more line of the Lord's Prayer. That'll be enough for this morning. The next line actually is the first request. Here's, here it is. It says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is teaching us here. Align your prayers around the Father's will. Right? Don't just take your laundry requests, this list of, you know, here's what I want, and dump it on him. Don't think of him as Santa Claus. Don't think of him as a genie, right? But filter them around the will of God. And I will tell you, there's a good chance if you haven't gotten to this point yet, doing this will revolutionize your prayer life. It will change everything. Before you ask God for what you want, ask yourself, what does God want? And then make your list of prayer requests around that. Build it. Build that up around what, 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 what he's concerned about. See, prayer, prayer is the place where, where we start like filtering through the things that are concerning to us, where we let go of some of the lesser things and we grab hold of the greater things. And it, it, it's only the next logical step because if God is our Father in heaven who we can come to any time, and if he is almighty God, awesome God, well, what that means is that what he wants, what he's doing, is obviously going to be above and beyond anything that, that I could ever want, that I could ever do on my own. And what this means is that prayer is not just a place to, to, to get from God. It's where we go to actually get to know God, to hear his heart, to understand his will. Prayer is a whole lot less about getting from God and a whole lot more about getting to know God, grabbing hold of what he's doing. Father, What's your will? Father, what are you doing? What's your will for me, for how I'm living my life, for for the things that you care about? What is it that you're doing? This is, I, I encourage you to pray with an open Bible. If you want to find out the will of the Lord, stay connected to his word. Uh, find out his will as you read through his passages, then start praying what it is that you find in that. What is the will of God? Love God and love people. Share about the Savior. 
Jesus, the one who made a way to reconcile broken people back to their Savior, back to their God. Live in holiness. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with our God. Someone said, uh, instead of asking God, would you bless my plans, is instead to find out what God's plans are. What is God already blessing? And then join in there. Ask him, what part can I play in what you're doing in this world, in my life? And that always involves a, a step of surrender because we can't grab a hold of God's will until we're willing to let go of our will. We can't be a part of seeing his kingdom come until we've come to the end of just building our own kingdoms and trying to make it all about us. What an awesome heavenly father is doing is always far above and beyond anything any of us could ever want or do for ourselves. And he's good. That means we can trust him, that his ways are best. And so there's this process of just grabbing hold of that, grabbing hold of what his will is, seeing his heart and following his lead. This is a part of what prayer is about. There's a lot more that it's about. We're going to get to it in the coming weeks. But for now, this is just this opportunity, this close up. Understand who it is you're praying to, who it is that you're engaging. Spend time focusing, meditating on how great, how good your Father in heaven is.